Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our app so you can keep up with everything happening at Creekwood. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Y'all doing all right? Man, y'all sound good. It is good to have all of you here with us at Creekwood, Creekwood Worshiping God. And um, uh, I want to get started today by telling you, turn with me in your Bible or your Bible app. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Uh, but before we get into um, the word today, uh, I wanted to let you know about an opportunity that is coming up. Uh, we're going to be taking a trip, a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And uh, it's an opportunity to uh, bless those. Uh, how many of you know we need to, to be a blessing to those outside of the four walls of this church? Yes. That we are uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And that's what this church has been built on. Um, and and I, I think it's so important um, that if you have never been on a mission trip, like I'm just telling you right now, specifically this one, the Dominican Republic, my wife and I went several years ago and it is life changing. So we would love for everyone at some point to go on a mission trip, specifically an international mission trip. Um, Cause what happens is you will go there and you will, you will bless those people for sure. But you will see how other people live outside of the United States culture and you will come back and you will feel blessed. And you will, you will watch how little they have and it will change your life because they're walking around smiling and as much as we have, we think we have nothing. And it literally changes our life. And so I, I wanna challenge you um, to consider going on this mission trip. If you're interested, uh, it's in June 19th to the 25th. Uh, get on our website. Um, if you want more information, even today, Pastor Jim Hampton will be out in the foyer. He'd love to talk with you about this. We're gonna be doing some cool things out there. We're gonna be, you guys gave $25,000 last year to help. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, if you go, go, go ahead and clap. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. And last year, we, we gave 25000 to help them build a school out there. And uh, so we're gonna be, uh, when we get there, we're gonna be helping build and also, we're going to be in Colonial City worship, uh, uh, ministering to the homeless out there. And so it's just a really great opportunity. I want to give you that uh, so you can uh, participate in that. Um, I'll start today by asking you a question. How many of you know in 2023 how difficult it is to focus, to stay focused? And I'm telling you, like, just even this week, um, I, I, I had several encounters, just like what I'm about to tell you, but I got out of my car, it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, and I've got my backpack over at West Campus heading to the office. I got my backpack on, so I'm weighted down. I'm heading to a meeting in the office, so I'm going somewhere. I am on my phone with my AirPods you know, in my ear talking to someone while I'm answering an email on my phone while someone is coming up to me who needs my attention. I was literally like, I don't know, like, how do we, where, how do, which one of you, you know, really, and it, you, we don't, what? You see what I'm saying? We lose focus. We're, we're so distracted. How many of you know? We're busy. And um, maybe this will resonate with you. We're busy with work. We're busy with taking child one to school, busy with taking child two to school, child three to school, some of you child four to school. Um, 
Um, but we, we got we, uh, sports, we got games, we got practices, we got emails, working out, meeting, uh, meetings, cleaning, uh, phone calls, text, uh, cooking, picking child one up from school, picking child two up from school, picking child, picking child three up from school. Like we're, we're continuing to do this and, and it's still only Monday. You still got mowing, washing your car, oil chains, home, uh, homework to do, haircuts, nails done, nails did, uh, meet the teacher, <laughs> basketball banquet, donuts with dads, dogs getting groomed, all this, and we haven't even talked about Netflix, Hulu, social media, sleep, like all the things that need to get done. I'm just saying, yo, I made y'all anxious just now. This is where we are. We're busy. It's hard to stay focused. And um, some of the popular hashtags in 2022 in social media were Hashtag on my grind, hashtag rise and grind, hashtag can't stop, won't stop, hashtag work is life, hashtag no days off. This is who we are. We believe that busy is better, so many of us. And so when you say, hey, how are you doing? The typical response is, I'm doing good, but I'm busy. So you already know. I mean, this is what we say over and over again. It's like a badge of honor. Well, check it out. This is how busy I am. And um, the word distraction is defined, if you want to write this down, distraction means a pulling apart. It means a separating, a drawing of the mind in different directions. So that's what's actually happening to you when you are being distracted. Think about it. It's literally a mind thing. Our mind is being pulled from in different directions. And I'm here today to tell you, you have an enemy of your soul that is trying to destroy your life. And I think one of the greatest tactics that the enemy, every demonic force is trying to pull away, pull apart your mind, trying to discourage your faith, trying to discourage your soul, trying to distract you from the things that matter most. And I've heard this said, and I think it's worth noting again, because it's a powerful statement. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. I mean, he, won't, he doesn't even need to eliminate your life if you will distract your own life to the point where you are useless. And it's crazy how we get to this place. And we're in a series right now called Encounters with Jesus. And I, I want us to look at a, like a powerful encounter with Jesus um, where he, Jesus directly confronts distraction and, and encourages us in a loving way to stay focused on what really matters most. Um, so turn with me again, Luke chapter 10. We're gonna be in, in verse 38 through 42. This is one of the shortest little stories in the Bible. It's an amazing little story if you've heard of the story of Martha and Mary. This is this story. Luke 10, 38 says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. All right, so set it up. You have Jesus and the disciples. Martha, we don't know every detail, but we, we don't think Martha was married. We don't, the, the, the theologians don't really know, but we, there's no mention of her husband. And, and so Martha is inviting Jesus and the 12 disciples over to her home. And Mary is her sister. What we know is that Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet and Martha, the Bible says, is distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, listen, Martha's not distracted uh, by Candy Crush or by, by Instagram 
but by some really good things. How many of you know you can be distracted even by good things? And this is where Martha's at. She is being distracted. And um, verse 40 says, she came to him and asked, this is Martha talking to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Can I just say something up front? Like, I don't know about you, but I like Martha more than I like Mary. I like people who get stuff done. You all know what I'm talking about? Like, like I'm, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, it, have you ever had a Mary on your staff? Okay, like, like, I don't need everyone just sitting at the Lord's feet. Like, we got West Campus to build, all right? Like, how are we going to get stuff done if you don't have the, the Martha in your life? Mary's laying at the Lord's feet and, and Martha's actually getting stuff done. And I think you have, before we go let Jesus rebuke Martha, we got to take a moment and just thank God for people like Martha in our life. Come on, right here. We need the Marthas. Because it's people like Martha that get the bills paid. It's people like Martha that know how to cook, that we actually eat good food. It's people like Martha, you got heat. It's people like Martha that mow the lawn. If, every, if Mary's ran the world, we'd all just be laying at the feet of Jesus. And I'm just saying, we, like, what, I, need, I need the Marthas too. And one of the first things I notice is that, that Martha goes from managing the situation to manipulating the situation. Because she tells Jesus, tell her to help me. And, and I think this is where a lot of us get to because um, that, that she was like, I, and I, I, this is a little, when I was, my kids were a little bit younger, they would always try to manipulate the, the situation. And so my kids would say, you know, Landon and Braden would say, dad, can you tell mom that I need more time on Fortnite? And I said this in the last service, and Landon goes, Dad, it's not Fortnite, it's Minecraft. And I was like, okay, whatever. But, but can, I need, can you give me some more time on Fortnite? Can you give me some more time on Minecraft? And I'm like, no, I will not tell your mother that you need more time on these video games. First of all, before she was your mother, she was my wife, okay? <laughs> Let's get the order right. Number two, I mean, uh, you don't need more time and it's manipulative. And so this is what, this is what Martha is doing. She's manipulating the situation. But I, I think Martha is manipulating because she's being manipulated in her mind. She's being distracted in her mind. There's a pulling apart that's actually happening in Martha's mind. And, and, and in other words, how many of you are type A personalities? One on the Enneagram, okay? Like, I, I don't know where you are. But I think Martha was like, is the type of person that when she knew Jesus and the disciples were coming over, she was like, okay, now um, Jesus is gonna be right here and the disciples are all gonna be over here and Mary, don't go sit at the Lord's feet. Like, we need you in the kitchen. Like, I need you over here getting the casserole out and the filet mignon. Like, I know how Jesus likes it. He likes it medium rare. I don't need it burnt, all right? I need it to look pink. I need it to look good. Like, it needs to be right. This is Jesus. This is the Savior. This is the Son of God. Like, it needs to be amazing. Did you get the candles lit? Did, is there toilet paper in the bathrooms? Because the disciples are nasty. Like, have you seen them? And all this stuff. This is what I think literally what was going on. She was planning everything out. And how many of you know, when it does not go as planned, we get frustrated. This is what happens in life. Is that when we go, I, I expect to get this degree and I expect to do this. I expect to uh, ha get married at this age. I expect to have kids by this age. 
I expected not to, to get cancer. And all frustration comes out of unmet expectations. And so what happens is she's frustrated and she starts to blame Mary. And how many of you know how many noises you can make in a kitchen when you're mad? Man, y'all know all the noises. I think there's three really powerful noises that Martha made. I think she was like just seeing Mary, just just hanging out at the Lord's feet. I thought we talked about this. You're going to be in the kitchen with me. And she's slamming cabinet doors. Have you ever heard that? This is all hearsay for me. I have no idea personal experience. And she's banging pots. And she's trying to let them know how frustrated she is. And she's probably sighing, you know, the sigh, the huff. (sighs) She's hearing all this. All this is happening in the kitchen. And she's frustrated. And Mary, all the while, is sitting at the Lord's feet singing, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Okay? I believe Martha said, here I'm in the kitchen. Slaving over all these dishes. Now I'm going to spit in your food. Like, I, I don't know. But all frustration comes out of unmet expectations. And then C.S. Lewis has to come along and say something that is so powerful. C.S. Lewis said, how you respond to an interruption is who you really are. And so you have this situation where all the things that you had planned in life and they don't come out as you had planned. And what he says is so powerful. What he is saying is it's who you really are. In other words, it's a heart issue. So when you have an interruption, it really challenges you at the very core of who you are. And so how do you respond when you have an interruption in your life is so critical to how your heart actually is. In other words, is your heart soft or is it pliable or is it hardened? And I ask myself that question all the time. Because anytime I expect it to go this way and something happens and I have to go this way and I get frustrated and angry, I feel like the Lord knows it. He senses it. Verse 41 through 42 says, and this is the last two scriptures of this simple little story where Jesus lovingly rebukes Martha. And he said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Underline, Mary has chosen what is better. Like highlight it, circle it, star it in your life. Know that God has a better way. And if you're not careful, you'll think that Jesus in the story is contrasting the difference between work and worship. Because it's easy to look at this and say, and say well, Jesus said that, that Mary's way was better. Worship must be better than work. But all throughout scripture, that's not what you see. In fact, I'll just give you one. Paul said, faith without works is dead. So it's not a, it's not a worship versus work story. Even though you're not careful, you will get there really, really quick. Well, I need to worship. That's what I need to do. I don't need to be a worker like Martha. No, no, no. You, are, you will miss it. I'll say this, I, don't, I, want, I think Jesus wants us to get to the place where we can't tell the difference between work and worship. Amen. What would it look like if you actually came to your work and came to what you do for a living and you looked at it as I'm doing this as unto the Lord? 
you only worship when you get here? You only worship when we sing three songs? Really? That's what we boiled our Christianity to? No, it's literally everything. And this is why you're depressed. This is why you're frustrated. You can't even see how it's part of God's bigger plan. And Jesus didn't rebuke Martha because of hard work. He rebuked her because of a hard heart. And I wonder how your heart is today. I wonder how hard your heart is today. Jesus loved her too much to let her stay in that dysfunction. And he loves you too much to let you stay with a hardened heart. One thing I noticed about Jesus, I always saw this in scripture. You'll see it. People will be talking over here. Jesus is way over here. Physically, in his, you know, his, how, he is God and man. Physically, he can't hear that conversation because it was not meant for Jesus, but spiritually he could. I believe God and Jesus could smell hearts. I believe he could hear hearts way before Martha ever said a word. And I'm telling you right now, Jesus can hear your heart. How are you right now? Is your heart soft? Is it pliable? Is it hardened? And the reason I was drawn to this seemingly insignificant story in the Bible where it looks like just two sisters are just going at it. It's because we live in a world where I see that people have less and less margin in their life and harder and harder hearts. I believe there's a direct correlation between margin. When I say margin, I'm talking about time and space. And I believe we have, I see people with less and less of that margin in their life and harder and harder hearts. And and I'm, call me crazy, but I believe that, that God wants us to have a work ethic like Martha, but a heart like Mary. I don't believe he was saying one is better than the other. He was saying, I need you to be a, I created you. I think Jesus liked going to Martha's house because he knew the filet was going to be good. He knew the house was going to be clean. He knew that it was going to be amazing. He wasn't rebuking her for, because of that. It was her hardened heart. And so I want to give us just three observations to help us to be able to have a heart, heart like Mary, but a work ethic like Martha. The first, the first thing is I think you have to learn how to eliminate the distractions in your life. We have to learn how, how to eliminate these distractions that pull, across, pull apart our minds. First Corinthians 7.35 says, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And I believe in 2023, we have more, what I would call, weapons of mass distraction than any other generation. And I will say this right here, I, I believe that it starts with this cell phone. I believe, I'm not the guy that says you don't need the cell phone, okay? Like, I, I think we need it. I think it's a powerful tool. But it has just as much power to be negative in our, in our lives. And so we have to know how to use it. And we have to learn what is the greatest distraction. Listen, 71% say that they check their phones within the first 10 minutes of waking up. 71% say they sleep with their phones next to you. 48%, these are average Americans, 48% sense anxiety when your battery goes below 20%. It's red. Like we have to deal with it. Like, are you kidding me? I cannot go. I have no battery. Like what? Um, 
45% say their phone is their most valuable possession. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Um, 43% look at their phone while they're on a date and that's why some of you can't get a second date. I'm just saying like, focus. 75% admit to using their phones while on a toilet. And that was a stat we did not need to hear. But what's so gross is that, listen, listen, the average cell phone is 10 times dirtier than a toilet seat is what they say. Y'all are gross. And here's the thing, like, it's why I won't be using your cell phone to make a phone call. <laughs> this is the one that really got me though. On average, Americans check their phone 344 times a day. That's once every four minutes. Y'all have been checking your phone probably 10 times in this service alone. I mean, this is what we do. This is where, I mean, can you say distracted? We're, we're distracted. YouTube, the second most visited app Every time I come home, someone's on YouTube. There's a YouTube, Landon's watching the fishing YouTube channel and I'm learning about how to catch a bass in Kentucky or something like what? (laughs) And you just get, and the problem is you get mesmerized and lost by it because they're like, well, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, that lake is beautiful. Oh my gosh, can we go? Like, it's amazing. And you just get lost. And listen, YouTube, every minute, there's over 500 hours of new content that's uploaded on YouTube. Every minute, distraction. Um, social media. Do you know we spend two and a half hours a day on social media? That means if you're a young person in here, you will have spent seven years of your life on social media. Tapping, scrolling, liking on social media. Distracted from what matters most. And I'm telling you, it's an epidemic. It's an issue. Proverbs 4.25, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead. Ignore life's distractions. Watch where you're going. I'm telling you, I tell my, I tell my kids this, I tell Landon this, if, if your issue, if your biggest distraction is your phone, if you can't handle this, you need to learn how to put it away. You need to have a plan. Don't take this up to your room at night. You need a better plan. If, if, if social media is your idol, maybe you need to delete it. I'm telling you right now, we did 21 days in prayer fasting. There's, there's always somebody, people that are, that are fasting social media. I have yet to hear the guy that's fasting social media that says, oh, I cannot wait to get back on Instagram. Like I never hear that guy. Hamburger is a different thing. I can't wait. We're, gonna, we're about to do this on the 21st day, but not on social media. I mean, why? Because they just took 21 days to free their mind. To focus again. Why do we got to, as a church, kind of do this together? Can we not figure this out? There are distractions constantly. For some of you, it may be video games. For some of you, it may be notifications on your phone. For some of you, it might be your friends that are your biggest distractions. Bible says, walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Some of you, you might be dating a distraction. I'm about to make some boyfriends mad. I'm gonna tell you right now, if he's leading you into sin and he's not treating you with respect, that is, you may need to eliminate that distraction and vice versa. And so we have to learn how to eliminate the distractions. If you wanna learn how to work like 
have a work ethic like a Martha and be about my father's business, which I think we need to, I want to get stuff done, but have a heart like Mary, you are going to have to create some margin in your life. You got to eliminate some distractions in your life. The second thing I think we got to do is we got to learn how to be still and listen to God and be still and listen. In sports, we, we call a team that is underrated, like a team that's kind of off the radar. Like they're not, they're not the ones that ESPN talks about. We call them sleepers. Don't sleep on that team because they'll, they'll bite you. Um, now they don't say that about the Cowboys. I feel like the Cowboys are more asleep <laughs> than a sleeper. But, but, I've, but when we say that, I think that one of the most underrated sleeper scriptures in the Bible is Psalm 4610, which says to be still and know that I am God. It's a sleeper. It's the secret sauce. I'm telling y'all, there's something about this scripture when you learn to learn how to be still and know that I'm God. And what I've been trying to figure out is what is God's pace? Is it fast like Martha? And I got to get stuff done. And it's crazy and frantic. And this is the only way I feel like I'm, I'm achieving anything is to go crazy, crazy, crazy. Or is it to slow down like a tortoise? And be like Mary. And we're just always going to sit at the feet of the Lord. And I feel like what I feel like God is saying is, is it's both. It's both. But there's an order to it. In the kingdom of God, if you ever want to learn how to speed up, you first have to learn how to slow down and be still. This isn't a message I'll tell you to slow down. I'm trying to help you to speed up. But the only way you go further and faster is to learn to do it God's way and he will require you to learn how to be still and know who your God is. Man, I, how many of you go to the dentist? Okay, a little interaction here. About half the congregation has really clean <laughs> hygiene. Okay, the other half. Um, you're supposed to go to the dentist twice a year, if you didn't know, okay? Found that at, out at church. Uh, and I, I, I do that twice a year and I, I brush my teeth, you know, twi- at least twice a day. And they say, if you brush your teeth manually, you, when you scrub, you are scrubbing 300 times per minute. And if you, if you don't brush your teeth for two minutes, that's 600 times every time you brush your teeth. I'm like, that's pretty good, man. I'm just getting that plaque right on off there, you know? And you just kind of feel real good. Like, Ooh, I went to the dentist the other day and, and the lady goes, um, the dentist goes, you know, you're missing a lot. And I said, but I try so hard. Like I, I'm trying really, really hard. And she said, um, and are you angry when you brush your teeth? I said, why? She said, because you've got so much recession going on. I said, we got recession in the economy. Do we have it in my mouth too? How about inflation? Okay, is it in there? But, and then the third thing she said is you, you, you got a cavity. This is the last time. I said, what am I, 14? Like, really? I got a cavity after all these years? I, and, and, and she said to me, she said, have you ever tried the Sonicare toothbrush? I was going to bring Sonicare up here, but I didn't want to gross y'all out, okay? But she said, have you ever tried using the Sonicare toothbrush? And I went home and told my wife, I said, babe, we got we to gotta look into this because apparently, like, I'm not brushing good enough and I got recession going everywhere and I just had a cavity and that's not worth it because I had to get it filled and I don't like that. And so can we get the Sonicare toothbrush? And so instead of on, you know, on Valentine's Day, instead of us getting a couple's massage, we got ourselves a set of Sonicare toothbrushes. You know how old we're getting when... 
And on Valentine's Day, the two of us brushed our teeth together for the first time with our sauna care. And I'm telling you right now, it was hilarious. She had already read the instructions. I hadn't taken mine out of the box. And I was like, well, what do you do? You just hit the, she goes, you just hit the button. I said, okay. And I put it in my mouth. Well, my natural instinct was to brush. That's what I do. She, and she hit my arm. She goes, no, 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 no. All you got to do is be still. And I'm like, really? And it's brushing my teeth. And then what's crazy is every 30 seconds, there's a little beep that goes on. And y'all, y'all know anything about this? And it beeps. You know what it's telling you to do? Change directions. And I'm like, this is preaching in my mouth. This thing is working. And every time I do a Sonicare toothbrush, I look at it. I'm like, this is speaking a better word. Like this, I need to learn how to be still and know that who my God is. And I think so many of us, we have to understand if you will learn how to be still. Listen, Sonicare, do you know? Do you know that it will brush your teeth 31,000 times per minute? On your own, you're doing 300. Sonicare, 31,000. So out in the foyer for 79.99, you can get it. No, I'm just kidding. I do, I do feel like that's a. It, I, it, but wait, there's more. Okay, like I, I feel like there's a little, a little advertisement for Sonicare. That's, but it's crazy how the concept though, if we will learn how to like a slingshot before we ever can project forward, we have to learn how to be still and come back to what God says the order is. There's an order, there's an order. So eliminate the distractions, be still. And the third, I think one of the most important things we can do in our life is to make room for God. And so when you eliminate distractions in your life and you learn how to be still, don't go fill it back up with other things, but make room for God. And so what would it look like if we were a community, if we were a church, that wanted to, to work like a, a Martha and we wanted to be about our father's business because I think that's what we're supposed to be about, but to, to have a heart like Mary. It would be a church that was full of people that knew how to make room for God. And you're not a, a physical being without a, with a spiritual experience. You're actually a spiritual being with a physical experience. In other words, we know how to feed ourselves physically, but most of us are starving spiritually. See, Martha knew how to cook. Martha knew how to be a host. Martha knew she could do this well. But I believe that Martha was depleted. And what I found out in my life is I can't give what I don't have. I will never be able to give what I don't have. And I think Martha was in that situation where she could not give because she didn't have. And so all she could do was get frustrated and start blaming. And Pastor Stephen said this to us um, right before we did all of what feels like 11,000 Christmas services in December. And we had 11 Christmas services in the week before we, you know, we set up Candyland and did the whole experience. Pastor Stephen looked at our staff and and he said, hey, before before you go build Candyland, before you... Welcome 3,500 people on this campus. Before you go memorize your lines that you're going to have to memorize with a puppet called Louie. <laughs> and to learn uh, a John Bon Jovi song called Living on a Prayer. Best experience of my life, okay? But now they won't let me be on the worship team because I, I did so bad, all right? <laughs> But before you do all that, before you get into the grind, he said, 
don't do ministry without God. And what he was saying, in other words, remind yourself before you do all this, you need to make room for God. And I will take it one step further. You need to make room for God in your parenting. You need to make room for God in your marriage. And I'm telling you right now, you need to learn how to make room for God in your finances. And, and I'm telling you, it'll change your life. You have to learn how to continually fill up so that you can learn how to continually pour out. And if you want to have a heart like Mar Mary and a work ethic like Martha, you have to intentionally make room for God in your life. You never wander into righteousness and you will never stumble into effectiveness. It will not be accidental. It'll be intentional. The second definition I want you to write down is the word, to, the word seek. To seek. To seek means to aggressively pursue. It's an intentional pursuit that we have to have. And that word seek is found 313 times in the Bible. God always wanted us to seek him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we love that scripture. But that verse is completely predicated on Jeremiah 29, 13, which says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's a seeking that has to happen and when you learn to seek God, I, here's what I'm here today to tell you. That's a promise of God. When you seek him, you will find him. When you seek him, you will find him. Psalm 10.4 says, listen to this. this. This will change your life. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. In other words, God's definition of a wicked person is one who does not seek him. It's the guy that goes, no, I'm good. I've got this. I don't need to pray. I don't, I don't, I don't need to be like Jesus and get alone with in early in the morning with my heavenly father. I don't need to fast. I don't need to do the things. I don't need to feed on God's word. I don't need these things. Now, the Bible actually says that's a wicked person. Matthew 6, 33 is such a powerful scripture that most of us have heard before, but it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So on the first of your day, the very first time when you wake up in the morning, it's precious, it's a precious time. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So the first of your day, don't, don't get on this. Don't get on this. First of your day, open this. Like the first of my day, I want to fill up with someone who can do something. First of my week, we need to do what we're doing right here. The first of our week, we need to make it a priority. To say, no, I'm going to worship God. That's, that's what I'm going to do as a family. We're going to worship God. The first, when you see an increase, the very first of the increase in your finances, that's when you say, no, I've got to make room for God in the area of my finances. The first, the first, the first of our year, we're going to, we're going to take 21 days to prayer and fast. Why? That's not a ritual. We're saying we're making room for you, God. Because what I have found out in, our, in my life that when I make room for God, anytime he fills something, he always overflows. 
And so what happens is some of you, you're tapped out because you have no margin and what you were gifted to do, what God has gifted you to do, you are tapped out. You, ha- you can't even do it anymore. And it's not because God quit gifting you. You lost your first. I'm going to have a worship team come up. We're going to sing a, a song that just is called Make Room. And what I want us to do is just take a moment to make a little bit of room for God. My son, Brayden, came home from DBU the other day. He said, uh, I've been memorizing scripture. I said, who are you and what have you done with my son? (laughs) You're memorizing the scripture. We haven't completely failed. He said he was memorizing Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, which says, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Some of you are exhausted today. You're burned out. God sent me here to tell you there's a better way. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. This song, Make Room, has a line that says, I will make room because your way is better. Right where you're at, let me pray with you. Lord, I lift up every person in this place that's discouraged, that's feeling overwhelmed, that has no margin in their life, that's at a place where they feel like they are so distracted. And so I pray over every person in this place, God, we make room for you that you would fill and that you would overflow in a fresh new way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we want to partner with you on this journey. Learn more about taking your next steps by visiting our website at creekwoodchurch.com or by downloading the Creekwood app. We look forward to hearing from you.